selfless gospel, okay? In Matthew chapter 25, the word says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. Listen to this. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will, she- he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation, or King James Version says, from the foundation of the world. He says in verse 35, For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and it was you that visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? They're talking about the literal Jesus. Amen. They're talking about the literal Jesus. Jesus, when did we ever see you? Like, I don't, re- like, I think I would have remembered that, right? I, I, positive, I, I would have remembered that. He said, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it unto me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. What's hell prepared for? The devil and his demons, not people. Do you see that right there? I just want to show that to you in scripture, amen? That's good, that's good stuff right there. The devil, uh, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. And then it says, for, verse 42, for I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply. Lord, when did we ever see you hungry? They're looking for the literal Jesus. Like, like, hey, listen, if it's only the literal Jesus, I'll help the literal Jesus, but I ain't helping anybody else. That was kind of their mindset. Like, like Jesus, if I would have seen you, I, I would have been there. I would have broken my back to go ahead and bless you and to do this for you. And so they're asking, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer them and tell them the truth. He says, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing. Everybody say refusing. You were refusing to help me. Verse 46, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Father, I thank you today, God, for the reading of your word. I thank you today, God, for its power, its strength. God, it's such an encouragement unto us today. It's such an empowerment unto us today. God, it's such a guidance and a purpose today, Father, into our hearts and into our lives. And we ask you to bless this word, bless this sermon today. God, as only you can, in the name of Jesus, we praise you. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen.
When I look, at, I look back at all this, I begin to, pray, begin to pray about this plan, prepare for all of things, all these things. Point number one, I would tell you as a church and as a church body, as a Christ follower, point number one, we must, we must make Jesus the end result of everything that we do. He's the end goal of everything that we do, of all that we do. A lot of times, people make the church. You, you've seen it. The church, you know, God's spirit-filled, service-offering, life-changing tool of reaching the world, you know, the church, okay? We make it about everything else but the initial mission of Jesus Christ. We make it about everything else. We make it about all of these other things, and all those other things are fun, and all those other things are exciting, and all those other things can be valuable, okay, but the importance is that we don't have an agenda. We have a Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. The church is about the sacrifice of Christ's life, His death, His burial, His resurrection has to be at the center of everything that we do. It's Christ's message of love. It's Christ's message of mercy and grace and forgiveness, and it's got to be our obsession, and if it's not then we fail as a church. Amen. In Acts chapter 2, it's funny to me that we want to control the church. We want to control it. Let's just put it in this box. Let's just confine it. Let's just put it in this space. But the two elements in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit identifies with are wind and fire. Are you paying attention right there? It's wind and fire, uncontrollable things, all right? Downpours of rain, also an uncontrollable thing. Come on, somebody. If you're feeling a little chilly by now, okay, you're soaking wet, okay? And the Holy Spirit identifies with wind and fire. And what happens when wind and fire get together? It's uncontrollable in a multiplying way. If you've ever been in Colorado or California or you've watched the wildfires on television or you've seen the wildfires going on in Canada right now, and you know, a lot of times we as the church, we don't want to offend anybody. Let's just get them a coffee. Let's just get them a blanket. Just smile really big. And maybe they'll ask us about Jesus Christ's message of redemption. Huh? Maybe they'll, maybe they'll finally want to get the good news out of my heart, out of my life, right? We don't, we don't want to offend anybody. Listen, 3,000 people, if Peter had not gotten up and preached the word of God on the day of Pentecost, would have gone to hell, and the church would not have experienced one of its greatest and defining moments. He said, here's what happened. Peter got up, and he said this. He said a lot of other things. I don't have time to read all of it, but he literally said this to those religious leaders and those people of Rome. He said, you nailed Jesus to a cross, and you killed him, but God... God raised him back to life. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said, what do we need to do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent, turn to God for your sins, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. He says, turn to God. And people, you know what they did? They responded to the invitation to meet Jesus Christ. They responded to that invitation because Peter preached the word. Amen. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John, they show up at a temple at the hour of prayer, Scripture says, and a beggar asked them for money. And they said, hey, man, listen, it's not about silver and gold. We don't have a lot of that, but what we do have is Jesus. What we do have is the healing power of Jesus. What we do have is the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. 
Instead of money they gave him, they empowered their faith. And heaven in this moment gave them the miracle-working, life-altering power of Jesus Christ. And the Bible said immediately, his ankle bones and his legs received strength. He started walking and leaping and he started praising God. Because they were walking as the church, as a body of believers multiplied together, believing for the healing power of Almighty God. And it got all kinds of crazy, but more people showed up. And by Acts chapter 4, verse 4, there were 5,000 just men, the scripture said. Not counting the women and children. I mean, generally when I'm going somewhere, i got my wife and i got my kids. Come on somebody, can you hear what I'm saying? And at that time, they were only counting the men who were showing up. They weren't counting all the women and children. So there's a lot of people here at this time. We have no idea what that number is. I can't even estimate it, okay? But why did they show up? Why was there more than 5,000 people there? The message of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 32, he said, And when I'm lifted up from the earth or crucified from the earth, I will draw everyone unto myself. And so as we're lifting up the name of Jesus, we're lifting up the power of God. Come on, somebody. As you're lifting up the name of Jesus, you're lifting up the power of God. God's going to move mightily is what I'm trying to say. Amen. Give him a hand clap of praise. That's okay. You lift up Jesus and the Holy Spirit will draw people unto him. Amen. We have to take the message of Christ to the world. Well, Pastor Mike, people get tired of hearing the gospel. Well, then I'm going to bore you. Out of your mind for the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years, whatever God gives me. Because it's all I've got. i got the message of Jesus Christ. I've got his blood. I've got his redemptive power. I've got his grace. I've got his mercy. That's the only message I've got. Amen. Jesus, his, his substitution for your sin, his death for your eternal life, his blood that was spilled for your rescue. He is our selfless servant, and he is the one who our selfless gospel is all about. Every Sunday we set up, every Sunday we tear down, it's all about Jesus. I can't wait so somebody can come in and hear the message of the gospel. And say, you know what, I've got to get my heart right before God. I've got to get my life right before God. Amen. When I'm reminded how far I was from God, how much sin I had in my life, and there was nothing I could do to bridge that gap between God and I, I can't help but get inspired. Amen. Because Jesus knew everything about me. And he received me anyways. Amen. He knew everything about me and received me Anyways, I confessed him as Lord. He cleansed my soul with his blood. He power washed my soul. Come on, somebody. Amen. He made me into a brand new person. He calls me to share that message with the world. And I get to spend eternity with him. And a lot of people, they want to regulate Christ's life-transforming, uh, conviction-filled, hope-spreading message of forgiveness. But God's message is good news to all people everywhere. Amen. Let me show you part of the problem. Not your phone. The person on the phone. Huh? This is a mirror currently. You ever used it? I've seen people use it. You know, looking for weird stuff like something in their tooth, a little piece of cilantro. You know, a little eyelash out of order brow needs to get plucked. Come on, somebody. Here's the most of the problem. I'm looking at him. 
most of the issue. I'm looking at him. I'm a selfish, selfish person. Huh? I'm a selfish person. Amen. The center of our problem, we're selfish. We only see us. We can't see past us. You, you ever get into the mirror so close? You know, you've seen some of those people, they got the light that looked like it was born on the sun. And that, and that, and that light's got a mirror next to it. And then it also has a magnifying lens on it. Why would we do this to ourselves, right? We got that magnifying, boom. And all we can see is ourselves. We're only concerned with how it affects us. We're all that's important. Listen, listen, listen. People get tired of hearing the gospel. That's because they're obsessed with themselves. They're not obsessed with him. Come on, somebody. The message is about Christ. Point number two. Not as long as point number one. Amen. We must, look at this, we must be just as concerned with the outsider as the insider. We're talking, about, we're talking about the global church. We're talking about people in our community. We're talking about people in our neighborhoods. You know, one of the reasons that we don't have good fellowship with our neighbors, I'm just giving you a for instance, this is a real live scientific study, because we have garages. We open the garage, we pull into the garage, we close the garage and no one even knows we're there. Man, I can't even wait to get a garage in Jesus' name. I can't wait. I can't wait for my kids to know I'm not home. Or I'm faking to be there. Come on, somebody. Amen. Something like that, right? Look at this. Look at this. We've got to be concerned with the outsider. Amen. Just as much as the insider. Jesus said, I was a stranger and you invited me in. You invited me into your circle of friends at school. Come on, young people. Amen. You invited me into your friendships. You invited me into your relationships. Hey, hey, hey. You invited me to your pool party. Huh? You invited me to your barbecue. Come on. Hey, you invited me in. Listen, are strangers welcome in this church? I, I believe that they are. People are telling me like, hey, man, that's a, this is a really friendly church that you guys have here. That's incredible because we've done no, we've done no training on being friendly. Can I hear it from can I hear it from 32? Can I hear it from group 32? Amen. You, you're like, hey, you know, I, we haven't. We haven't done anything. All right, I got I got another question for you. This is this one hits a little closer to home. Are strangers welcome in your life? Are strangers welcome in your life? Amen. Nowhere in scripture does God ever commend or congratulate the church that doesn't reach people for Jesus Christ. And the gospel, scripture says, is a priceless treasure. You remember the parable where the master comes back and he rewards the servant with the five who, ha who now has ten talents. And the two, he now has four talents. And the one that buried their one talent, he called them not faithful. He called them wicked and lazy. Do you see that? You see, Jesus is talking to them. He's not talking to, to everybody collectively. He's talking to individuals here. That's what the parable is talking about. And I think a lot of people, and I think a lot of churches, I think a lot of ministries will stand before God one day and be called wicked and lazy because we organize ourselves around the personal desires of the already convinced. Pastor, we're just, we're just trying to keep people in the aquarium. That's not what God called us to do. He called us to be fishers of men. Amen. He called us to, 
be disciplers. Amen. We're talking about that, dealing with it. Church is not about creating and forcing our own personal preferences. It's about engaging, empowering, and equipping us to be the church in everywhere that we go and in everything that we do. Amen. Yes. Now, literally, I've heard these deep spiritual claims. Pastor Mike, you don't understand. See, our church, we're about getting closer to God. Hey, we're about getting deeper in the presence of God. We just soak up the presence of God. So you're telling me that you're so deep that you don't reach anybody? Now, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm asking a question. I'm asking a question. I, I've had people say, I've had people say, Pastor, Pastor, whoa, 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 whoa. Our church is into disciple making. I had a youth pastor, I had a youth pastor tell me, Pastor Mike, we're not into the numbers for teenagers and students. We're into disciple making. Listen, if you're not making disciples who are making disciples, then you're not making disciples. As a disciple, it's my job now, my calling, my purpose in this life to go and to make disciples. It's not Pastor Mike's only job. It's not the team's only job. It's all of our jobs collectively. And watch this. The number one commission of a disciple is to go make disciples. You ought to have people following you. You ought to have people that you are challenging. You ought to have people that you're building up. You ought to have people that you're encouraging, that you're loving, that you're correcting. Amen, and they're receiving that. They're receiving that. Amen. Disciples are not measured by their knowledge. If they were, Satan would be the most discipled person in the universe. He knows the scripture. He knows how to twist the scripture. It's not about knowledge. Disciples are measured by are we obeying Jesus? Is my life obeying Jesus Christ? I've had people tell me this here. Pastor Mike, what about the spiritually mature people? You know, I'm a little more mature. I've been around the block a second. I've been in church a little, I've been in church longer than you've been alive, right? And this kind of what they'll say. What about the spiritually mature people? Well, you know what I've discovered about mature people? They give up their rights first. That's what TK and I did when our children were born. First of all, I had to give up my rights. I said, TK, I want a motorcycle. We just got married, baby. We're 18. 18 years old, and I need a motorcycle. She said, I want a baby. So we had a baby. (laughs) Amen. Gave up my rights. In privilege, huh? She said, hey, let's talk about having a baby. And then I said, hey, she says, let's get a motorcycle. And then she comes to me the next weekend and says, I'm pregnant. How many of you guys know I never got a motorcycle? Pray for me. Pray for Pastor Mike. Listen, we gave up and we sacrificed so our children could advance. And selflessness advanced us. Huh? It's a principle of God. TK and I never sat around saying this is inconvenient. You know, these babies are not very considerate. They cry in the middle of the night. This one used the restroom on me today. They vomited on my clean shirt. Listen, babies, they pass gas in public. They make all types of weird noises. They do do the weirdest things. It's embarrassing. 
Amen. They're cute and all, but they're just not fitting in. Why don't we just put them out the house until they mature? Because they will die. As much as in Christianity, as much as in babies. My granddaughter, she's one and a half, getting closer to two. They said, hey, she's potty training. I said, awesome. I set her on the potty yesterday. I thought she'd been kind of working on it, you know, whatever. We're excited. She's so cute. She's so tiny, right? And I sit her on the potty. I said, she's, she's got to go potty. Let's try to go potty. Let's do it. Let's do it. I sit her on the potty, and I walk away. How many of you guys know she falls in the potty? <laughs> I get her all cleaned up. Amen. She's a little, she's a little scared of the potty now. I would be too. Imagine just for a second being small enough to fall in the potty. You don't know where the potty goes. Come on. So I pull her back up and I clean her all off. I sit her out. She goes and gets some snacks. Of course she's grabbing snacks. And she says, uh-oh. And I knew what happened. I knew what happened. She went potty, right? She's finally comfortable enough to go potty, okay? So it happens. Why are so many young Christians dying? Because older Christians refuse to embrace maturity. And older Christians refuse to stand up and say, I'll connect with you. I'll do whatever it takes to reach you. I'll do whatever it takes to train you. I'll do whatever it takes to disciple you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And then we see, we literally see right there in this parable, in the scripture, verse, in verse 31 through 36, Jesus is teaching us that there's coming an eternal separation. An eternal separation. Pay attention right here. The sheep represent the merciful, the kind, the generous, the loving, and willing to do whatever it takes, even at their own expense, even at their own pain and suffering to help out another human being type of people, the sheep. And then there's the goats. They represent those who are selfish and self-centered and self-absorbed and self-seeking people. Amen. Point number three. We must help people establish a new identity. A new identity. Verse 36, Jesus said, the scripture says, I was naked and you gave me clothing. You gave me something to wear, right? Listen, churches who are not winning the lost are shutting down every day because God is shutting funerals down. Can you hear what I'm saying to you? He's saying you produce new life or be shut down. John chapter 11, you remember the story of Lazarus. He told Martha, roll the stone away. Get the dead man out of the tomb. Get him out of that space. And then when they brought him out, what did he say? Loose the man and let him go. He's wearing grave clothes. Get the grave clothes off of him. Teach him a new way. Unwrap him from that mess. Let him go. Let him walk into the freedom. She's like, but he's going to stink. He's been dead for four days. And Jesus said, not after I get done with him. Amen. Jesus doesn't want people to just come out of the tomb he wants him to have a brand new identity, and he wants us as the church to teach them how to take off the grave clothes. That's so good. That's so powerful. And right, right there in verse 37 through 40, I want you to see this church. I want you to see these sheep. I want you to see these people called of God right here. They're just loving on people. 
They're just meeting the needs of the people. That's what the word ministry means, to meet the needs of others. And God was keeping track. God's keeping score. Huh? And we've gravitated towards teaching people to identify themselves with what they do rather than who Christ is. Amen. We don't teach them how to be overcomers. We teach them how to stay in their frailty and stay in their insecurity and stay in their obscurity and stay in their addiction. That's not the Jesus that I'm talking about. Come on, somebody. He wants you to come out and be let go and be freed. Amen. And we've gravitated toward that space. In in verse 41 through 46, right there in this parable, it's literally speaking of hell. Because hell is a real place, a literal place, and Jesus came to save us from it. Praise God. And churches are supposed to be celebrating when we come together. You say, Pastor Mike, we're reverent. Listen, don't you don't you dare confuse reverence with rigor mortis. It's not the same. Amen? There's a dead version and there's a live version. Come on, somebody. I want to be a part of what God is doing. Amen. And we are approved by God. Listen to me. We're approved by God by our position as his children and not by our performance as his children. He loves you whether you perform whether you perform well or not. Hey, can I tell you something? My granddaughter still loves me. She probably never wants me to sit her on the potty again, but she still loves me. Huh? Because I'll get her the snacks that she's after. Yesterday we had the we had the cookies from we had we had the cookies and we we had to literally build a wall around the cookies of other snacks and all the giveaways. I built a wall around the cookies so she couldn't see the cookies. She's about snacks. Come on. I had to protect her from the snacks. Amen. Point number four, I have two more really quick. We must be patient with people. Oh, thank you so very much. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Sheep, that's what I'm talking about. Come on. Giving, kind, compassionate. Amen. Pastor Mike, you don't need a paper towel. You need a full body bath towel, bro. (laughs) Point number four, thank you. We must be patient with people as they develop spiritually. I'll let you listen to that for a second. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Huh? It's a fruit of the Spirit. Some of us need to grow and develop in patience. Amen? I'm one of them. But watch this. Sick people require patience. Amen? We have spiritually sick people showing up at our church every week. How patient are we with those people? I, 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 I understand this. We can't just take someone through a six-week Bible study and expect them to be completely healed, completely restored from their past of 37 years, 12 years, 52 years, 97 years. Amen? All of a sudden, they're just completely healed. Yes, God is going to do supernatural things, and we understand that. But the Bible says that we are to bear the infirmities of the weak, which means we carry the load with them. We carry the load for them, sometimes to help them along. And those infirmities that we're talking about are mental and physical. Amen. And I know what it's like to be weak. 
And if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would still be that sick person. I may not even be around because I was so sick in my head that I wanted to hurt myself in some kind of way. Amen. But Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 says, it's the goodness of God. It's the kindness of God. It's the mercy of God that leads people to repentance. Amen. It says for them to taste and see that God is good. And so we look at that and we say, verse 44, Jesus, when did we not help you? He says back, when you refused to meet the needs of my people, you refused me. You said I was too busy doing everything else. I didn't have time to disciple anybody. I didn't have time. I didn't want to make time. I was too busy raising kids. Too busy working my job. Listen, pastor, I'm trying to build this 401k. If I get this amount of money by this age, I can retire and live another 10 years on my retirement funds and still be okay. We challenge ourselves in that space, but we don't challenge ourselves with disciple making. Jesus said, when you refuse to help me, you disregarded me. When you refuse to see people as my greatest asset ever. You refuse to see my only mission. It's dripping off my ear, y'all. <laughs> Pastor Mike, you mean I got to be kind to sick people? Jesus was kind to you. Mm. Compassionate to you. There was a group of people that couldn't stand you. Couldn't stand to smell you. Couldn't stand to see you. Couldn't stand to spend time with you. Jesus moved in for the rescue. Huh? Hallelujah. He was kind to us, and God is patient with us. He doesn't want anyone, John chapter 3, verse 16, I'll cite it. He doesn't want anyone to perish or to be lost or to suffer eternal death or to suffer ruin but that all would come to repentance. Repentance is that salvation that we're talking about, that regret that we feel, that remorse that we feel, that we say, God, I want to make things right between you and I. So the question comes, can sick people show up at your church? The next question, a little harder, a little more difficult. Can sick people show up in your life? Can they call you and say, can you bring groceries? To my house, would you mind helping me do a few things around the home? I'm unable right now to handle these things. Would you be so willing, so kind? You know, it's the grimy, gut-wrenching, grueling work of life that people get weary from. It's not the life-altering, eternity-changing good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't get weary from that. I get weary from the other things, amen. And finally, point number five is the worship team gets ready to come. We must make it our mission to proclaim freedom in Christ. I remember attending, I'm not, I'm not belittling this, I'm not bad-mouthing this, just, just hear my heart, amen. N-A or A-A, any of, these, any of these meetings, but you introduce yourself, you say, hi, my name's Michael and I'm an alcoholic, or my name's Michael and I'm a drug addict. Amen. I want to stand here before you today and say, my name is Michael and I'm free from Jesus Christ by the blood of Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm free. Amen. 
It doesn't create perfection, huh? But it creates what we call restoration. It creates what we call a, a, a process that we walk through called sanctification. Oh, Pastor Mike, that's a big church word. I know it is, big church word, okay? But it's a process I'm walking through that God is making me more like him. He's making me more like him. I, I'm not trying to make myself more like anyone else. On the face of the planet, I'm trying to make myself more like Christ. He's our example. And so you, you ask our, we ask ourselves in verse 36, I, I just got to ask the question, if we've got to make it our mission to proclaim freedom in Christ, what do you think the ultimate goal of someone who is in prison, what do you think their ultimate goal is? It's not a trick question. To get out. That's the prison they live in. To get, I just want out. If I could just get out. And so people come into our church and they come into our lives every week and they need a savior and they need some guidance and they need some prayer and they need deliverance from the situation that they are in and they desperately want to get out. Can people come into this church because they're trying to get free in Jesus Christ? Can people come into your life and you'll help them get free? Not help them stay in their turmoil, stay in their prison, but help them get free. Amen. Does compassion rise within you and compel you to meet their needs? Because you can get out of that prison. Because Jesus came to rescue you and Jesus came to deliver you. And the gospel message is the greatest message in all the world. And a lot of people, they refuse to accept it. A lot of people, they'll rebuttal it. A lot of people, they'll either reject it or respond to it. But the decision is theirs to receive the Lord Jesus Christ and to receive the freedom to come out of that dead space and to come out of that prison. Amen. Hallelujah. You can escape from that bondage. You can find redemption in Jesus Christ. Anybody testify? Come on. Come on, anybody testify? Let me hear you. Let me hear you shout if you can testify. Let me hear you clap if you can testify. I'm thankful, God. I'm thankful, God. I refuse to teach people how to cope. I refuse that. In Jesus' name, I teach them how to overcome. The Bible says you were made more than overcomers by the blood of Jesus Christ and the word of our testimony. Huh? Amen. We've been made more than overcomers. And we've got to rally around that rescue operation that Jesus has commissioned us into. And it will always cost us deeply. It will cost you something. Amen. It will cost... To be selfless, it will cost you something. And every church and every Christian and every Christian ministry is either rallying around and paying for a rescue operation, and I believe the Hope City Church is a rescue operation, or a museum preservation. One I don't want to be a part of. I want to be a part of a rescue operation. Come on, somebody. Amen. I want to be a part of... God's church, God's global church. Rescue operations last for an eternity, I might point out. That's why we invest in people. Watch this, this is so good. The value of something is determined by the price someone is willing to pay for it. 
God sent his son. He's the greatest father of all time. I couldn't do this, Brent. I couldn't do this, Brian Delvon. I could not do this as a, as a husband, as a father. Give up one of my children. I love you, I love you guys like family. Amen. Could not give up one of my children to rescue anyone. I'd lay down my own life. But the life of my son, can't have that. Jesus laid down his life. And God said, Jesus, can you, can you do this? Can you handle this burden? Can you carry this cross? Amen. You are valuable to God because he paid an incredible price for you. The life of his son. Amen. God created you on purpose for a purpose. He created you on purpose for a purpose. Will you stand with me all over the building? As our prayer team comes. You might say, Pastor. Jesus as my Lord. I don't know him as my Savior. And in this selfless sermon this morning, I, I, I heard the gospel preached to my heart and preached to my life, and God is moving in my soul right now. I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I feel something I've never felt before. And I want to respond to that something. I want to respond to that voice of God. I want to respond to that voice of the Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my Lord. I don't know him as my Savior. And I want him to redeem my life today. Is there anybody in the house? That's me, Pastor. I need to be saved. I need to commit my life to Christ. Anyone in the house? I don't want to miss you. Just slip your hand up. Just wave at me. Say, that's me, Pastor. That's me. Anyone? Is there anybody in the house this morning you would say, Pastor, I want to be a sheep. I want to walk in that space that I'm giving and kind and loving and compassionate. And I see needs, now that you mention it, I see needs all around me. I, I don't even know if I've got the time or the energy or the effort or the finance or the resource to meet all of those needs, but I'm, I'm willing to try. And I'm willing to step out there and do what it is God's called me to do. And I want to, I want to walk in that space. You say, Pastor, that's me. Any sheep out there? So that's me, Pastor. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Hands all over the building. Hands all over the building. Listen, I challenge you. I challenge you. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. Maybe maybe you're saying to yourself, you know what, Pastor, I, I've got to get engaged. I've got to get involved in disciple making. I, listen, we're going to be launching life teams in the fall and, and small groups in the fall. And I pray that this next couple of months, this ne couple of months, month and a half, that God's going to be preparing you and readying you for all that God has purposed in your heart and purposed in your life. Because he's going to use you to make an eternal difference on this earth. He's going to use you to make a powerful difference. Amen. And I pray that you will prepare yourself and you begin to study and grow and learn and pray and fast and say, God, I want to do great things in your kingdom and I want to begin loving on people. Because we're going to be asking more of you. And remember this, there's a sacrifice that's coming up. You might not be in that sacrificial place right now, but there's a sacrifice that's coming up. And you're going to have an opportunity to step up to that space. And you say, Pastor, I, I, I need to get into that space. I want you to find a place to pray. Whether it's up around the front or right there at your chair, 
You know, maybe you want to just slip your hands up. Maybe you want to lean down and, and, and put your knees in the floor and, and put your face in the chair. You're welcome to do that. But I want you to find a place of prayer just for a few moments this morning. And I want you to call upon the name of God that he's going to strengthen you and challenge you and encourage you as we give him worship today. You, you, if you need prayer for anything, something special, you need, you, you need a, a healing or a deliverance in your life, we want to pray with you and encourage you along. You're welcome to grab any one of these prayer team members and they're going to pray with you, lay hands on you and strengthen you and encourage you in the name of Jesus. Would you come? Would you take a few moments of worship this morning? Would you take a few moments and say, God, I see the needs that are in my heart and in my life and I'm going to make the difference in the life of those around and about me. I'm going to do it today in the name of Jesus. Will you take a minute to do that? 